0: Steve, thanks so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So I want to talk about the future. And then, <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. So um, for the folks that don't know, and we'll kind of back up. You know, We've met, because you spoke at one of my events probably a few years ago now, but you were working at Intel at the time, and your title was Futurist. And there's a few of you there. There was like a Futurist group, right? Well,
1: there were two of us, two, two Futurists, me and Brian David Johnson, Okay, the great Brian David Johnson. Yeah.
0: So I know both of you have since left Intel, but... Obviously that's a title that grabs people's attention and kind of like, what the hell is that? And that's a job. Um, you're doing some exciting work now that you've left Intel, but I want to back up and you know, how did you, what's your path to that role at Intel? And then when you were at Intel, you know, what were you doing? So I know you mentioned you kind of had sales background or, um, I've, I've done so many
1: different roles. Uh I mean, at Intel, I was a video producer. Um, I ran the internal communications group for a little bit. Um, I uh, spent time in engineering. I'm trained as an engineer.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, a lot of time in marketing, in the business, uh, in manufacturing. So a complete range of experiences, right? which I think is part of being able to be a good futurist. You have to understand a business from beginning to end. You have to understand how it communicates, how it operates, uh, how it imagines what's next. Um, and putting all of that together allows you to be a futurist. Now, how do you, what do you do as a futurist? It, being a futurist is not about predicting the future it's a common fallacy and uh, you get called futurist futurologist if right. you're in the UK or Australia they call mm-hmm. it futurologist what it essentially means is you uh, project trends and you look at the intersections of those trends and you figure out what are the possibilities in a certain time frame and so it's not about predicting what will happen it's about pre- projecting what could happen and what is possible for somebody to go and build in a certain time frame. Mm
0: -hmm. So Intel had the foresight to invest in this. So people like you can, you know, not only internally, but externally. So what was kind of the charter of your, you and Brian's kind of role there and whatever you can share some of the work you guys did.
1: Sure. So, um, designing a chip, I mean, Intel is known Mm -hmm. for designing uh, chips that are the heart's of either servers that are the backbone of the internet or like the Mac that sat in front of you recording this interview right now. Um, They're the brains of a computer and to to design those brains um, from initial sort of brain fart of an engineer to chips rolling off a production line in hundreds of millions of units is about a seven year process. So in order to target those chips and make sure that they're able to do the things people want to do with them, um, we were looking at about 10 years so that we were getting ahead of that process. And so it's projecting what are the likely usages that people will have for technology? How will it combine in their lives in 10 years from now? So that's a lot of spending time understanding people. Mm -hmm. And so being a good futurist is not just about understanding technology trends. That is not enough. It's, It's required, but not sufficient. You have to understand technology trends, business trends so how will that technology get paid for mm-hmm. and how will that technology make new business models possible and then most importantly how will people incorporate that in their lives what problems does it solve for them so um, brian david johnson and i the two futurists at intel were part of a broader group focused on understanding people so i was in a group of social scientists ethnographers yeah. cultural anthropologists right Who would spend time in people's homes or in people's cars to understand how they live their lives and what is the environment that the technology you're imagining will fit in with and how will people
0: use it or not? Yeah. And what's fascinating is one of your former colleagues too, uh, Genevieve Bell, I've seen her talk. And just like you're saying, she was trained as a cultural anthropologist. So she would show pictures of like the, the stuff that people had in their trunks. Right. And she would, you know, you and her and Brian would, you know, go from there to to figure out these trends and how people interact with these things. And it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. So. If you look
1: at somebody's car, it is not the way that it was when it rolled off the lot. Mm-hmm. It's a living ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that's why the ethnographers would dump out the contents of people's cars onto a white sheet mm-hmm. and take photographs of it. And you can look at those contents and learn something about people's lives. It's a bit like doing an archaeological dig, yeah. you know, and you find artifacts and think, oh, I can get a feel for what this yeah, person no was judging, like. Yeah,
0: no though, right? <laughs> no, well, yeah. It's yeah.
1: amazing what you find in people's cars. <laughs> right. But yeah, unless you understand that a car, for example, is an ecosystem in which life happens, mm-hmm. you, it's not just a thing to get people from A to B. Things happen in the car other than that. Right. Um, and you, unless you understand that and you understand how a person lives their lives, perhaps the solutions that you're designing are the su- solutions you're designing for yourself <laughs> right. uh, and not solutions that you're designing for the masses
0: or for a particular target, yeah. second to people. So was there this community of, of futurists at other kind of brands and companies? I mean, you guys were specific what, what you guys do in technology, but, um, you know, I'm curious, was there like, like did Nike or General Motors have these people? Yeah, yeah. Th-
1: they do. Um, so, and it, increasingly m- more so, um, major companies are taking on a futurist or a group of futurists. They may not call them that. Mm-hmm. They may be strategic planners, um, maybe foresights people, mm-hmm. um, but essentially it's that. It's getting out beyond the core business um, in terms of a time frame and figuring out what could and should the company be doing next. Right. And there is so much, and I hate using this word because it's overused. But there is so much disruption coming um, in every sector. And it used to be that you know you could stand in your sector and look at you know, the media segment, for example, and go, oh, look at all that disruption happening over there. Oh, how awful that must be for them. Yeah. And now it's coming everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's coming in healthcare. It's coming in retail in droves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming in agriculture. So sectors that were for whatever reason more stable are now becoming unstable and changing dramatically and so every one of these sectors is now going okay we need to if we don't understand this and our competition does it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how big we are what our legacy is of you know 50 or 60 or 100 years in this sector unless we wake up yeah. then someone's gonna eat our lunch because yeah. the world will change
0: yeah and i want to dig deeper into the specific sectors um, that I'm interested in, but also some of the folks that listen, um, a lot of them are in the marketing space. So we'll talk about that. But um, So you know, you're know, you at Intel, and you laughed, and we were chatting before this that you're working with a lot of companies now um, on that strategy. So what are some of the major, if you can share, um, sectors you're working in, but also some of the things they're concerned about that they're bringing in to kind of help their teams? Um, so I mean, I work in every single sector you could imagine.
1: That's one of the things I've really enjoyed since I left Intel a year ago is the variety of different companies I've been able to work with. Um, So I've worked with everything from a major theme park brand. Mm -hmm. um, I'm under NDA, so I'm not going to reveal exactly who that is. uh, To um, hotel companies, doggy daycare companies, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a real variety of companies that I talk with to help them imagine how might their business model change um, based on technology. Do, th- does the business model still work five years from now? You know, you have disruptive technologies like blockchain, for example. Um, blockchain enables you to create trust between strangers where trust doesn't exist. And historically, that's been done with brokers, whether that is a stock exchange or an escrow person or a real estate broker, um, you might not need any of those people anymore once you use blockchain, if you can establish trust. So every sector um, is looking at major disruption. The other thing that is interesting is sectors are colliding. So you've already seen the collision of healthcare and retail start to happen. If you wander around the Pearl District where we're recording this yeah. interview, um, I mean, th- almost every corner has some sort of retail healthcare outlet. Um, banking and retail obviously collided a while ago, but you're seeing almost every sector start to bleed together. Um, logistics and retail is a huge disruption um, yeah. with drones and self-driving cars and vans. Um, what Starship Technologies is doing, for example, is very interesting. So... It's not like I look at an individual sector and say, well, what's going to happen in agriculture? Yeah. You can't look at it on its own anymore. You have to think about it as, okay, what's going to happen to the food supply chain, which includes the cold chain logistics, how it will get packaged in retail, how it will end up in a restaurant, um, and, and the interplay along that whole chain. So looking at individual sectors doesn't work anymore. So.
0: Yeah. Is a well, long-answer question? Yeah, but- absolutely. Well, it does be. And I'm going to point, I want to point out a couple of sectors just because these are things I've worked in a lot. So you know, I've worked in media a lot. I've worked in for news organizations. And we were also chatting before, them. they're, you know, figuring out like everybody else. So, um, you, you know, just like you're saying, not taking it, uh, just looking at that, but that is – a lot of disruption. People are figuring out. What do you f- see for that future of media? Yeah, specifically news. I mean, it's a very hot topic with elections happening, and um, their business model is is changing. So I don't know if any insight to. Yeah, that. I
1: mean, the, the news, um, so the newspaper business got devastated by a tiny company called Craigslist. Yeah. Um, so you know. That should be a lesson to every business beyond media that a small company with 10 employees can completely destroy a business model. But what is happening to the future of media? Uh, I mean, you're seeing the fragmentation of media. At the same time, you have these giant companies with all these media properties. Um, slowly, you know, channels are turning into apps. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to subscribe to just the media that you want So you have the media stratifying that way. That's creating the ability for people to surround themselves with the media that they want, whether that is the news that they want based on their political bias or outlook or the content that they they enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some technologies, I think, that are going to continue to change the landscape. I mean, streaming was a big one for the media sector. Uh, Virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality gives storytellers a new canvas. Mm -hmm upon which to tell stories. I think that's going to be fascinating. Oregon Storyboard here in town yeah. uh, doing some interesting exploration work in that area. Um, and I think you know, we are challenged. We live in a time of fake news or purported fake news. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned blockchain. Blockchain could play a role there to be able to record when things happened, to be able to link that back to a source, um and to be able to have sort of a train that goes back to a fact Mm -hmm. and to be able to record that as a fact Mm -hmm. and then when you can when you tell stories to be able to link back to those in a way that's not just a random link to a random website but is recorded as fact by in in a blockchain somewhere
0: yeah but i mean this is something blockchain's been around for a while and it's just i I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, and my feed is all, a lot of these marketers and it's like the very hot topic of marketing right now too yeah. and so uh, I guess there's lots of possible uh, ways it can use so i'm as far as marketing goes uh how, what is what does that mean when I'm seeing these people saying blockchain's going you know change marketing I really don't know uh, what that means yeah
1: I've not thought about it too much in the sector of marketing yeah. to be honest i I'm more focused on blockchain and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, blockchain in logistics, um, even blockchain in media, um, Imogen Heap, um, recording artist, mm. has created a company, an organization to use blockchain as a way to underpin a fair trade music system. Really? Um, so that, cause a lot of her music is sampled, mm-hmm. um, used in you know, some very big records and, that she's happy with that she likes that yeah. uh, but wants to get paid for it yeah. so to be able to say well this seg- segment of music these are the rights that are with it this is how you can use it and this is how you pay me if you use it um, embodying that in a blockchain.
0: Yeah. Well, switch gears a little bit. Um, always love to talk about Portland. So you've been here. Did you move here for the Intel gig or were you here before that? Or? I
1: moved here for Intel. Yeah. Okay. I started with Intel in the UK, okay. hence the outrageous British accent. <laughs> um, but I moved here actually 20 years ago this week. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so now, I mean, you really could live anywhere in the world for what you do. And you work with companies uh, you know, globally and nationally a lot. So what keeps you here? And what's... Um, what do you love about it? And, uh, we'll talk about kind of the growth too, but yeah. yeah, I love Portland. I mean, I, I chose to move here.
1: I worked for Intel in the UK and I would come here on business through the nineties and I liked it enough that I asked to be relocated. So I came for an 18 month assignment and I never went home because yeah. I liked it so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that it is a small, big city, um, that it has, you know, most of the services I need, it, it has a vibrant, uh, and progressive culture. Mm-hmm. I like that I can talk to people in a bar or a restaurant here and strike up a conversation, and they're going to be fairly well-informed. That's yeah. that's important to me as, as a citizen of the city. Uh, and just the quality of life. I mean, I came from Britain, where there's a pub culture, and there is a a brewery culture here, way more vibrant than it was when I first moved here. Uh, But also, you know, it's very easy to get out in the countryside and go hike and explore all the wonderful things that Oregon has to offer.
0: Right. And that's becoming more popular, obviously as we we grow and uh, there's because of that business wise, there's a lot of cool companies moving here, startups, but also um, a lot of bigger companies opening satellite offices here. So are there any, I don't know how tuned you are with some of these new startups coming. Are there any ones that, really are, are you exciting for you or that you kind of keep in touch with? It's n- not particularly individual companies. Yeah. It's the
1: sectors that are interesting to me that we are attracting, you know, healthcare um, startups who are looking at innovations in healthcare. Um, the, I mean the biotech sector is pretty good here mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be a lot more in the next 10 years if the Portland development commission and other sort of development organs of the, right. of the, com- of the, um, the state, uh, kick in so you're going to get a lot of biotech genetic engineering um, but also green tech and that's good to see i mean that that is consistent with the the heartbeat of the state yeah um that it makes sense that green tech is going to you know evolve more here, and then propagate across the company, across sorry, across the country, yeah. and across the world from Portland.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, there's uh, you know, I mentioned to you, I'm meeting with uh, Skip Newberry, who's the president of Technology Association of Oregon tomorrow. So, I want to try to get out of him a few specific companies, but there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. And you know, um, what that means for bigger companies, we still have this vacuum, right? We have like a few big companies, Intel Northern being one of them uh, and a couple other ones, but there's really not a lot, lot of large employers here. So um, when you worked for Intel, did you, how did that, was that a plus or or minus or, I mean, just as far as getting talent or, you know, talking with colleagues, other people or. um, Yeah. I mean, Intel pulls talent from all over the country, all over the world.
1: Um, It can be hard. I mean, Intel is the biggest non-governmental employer in Oregon Mm -hmm. and, the sets of skills that they need, some of them are very particular. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I was hiring, I was a manager there for many years. Mm -hmm. um, It can be hard to find the right talent, but Mm -hmm. that means you have to search sometimes globally. Right. Um, But I think the people at Intel in the management team um, often feel a responsibility to the state as well. I mean, they know that Uh, as the biggest employer, they have an impact, a serious impact on Portman's economy. And so they understand that responsibility. That was Mm -hmm. something I felt when I was there, certainly.
0: Interesting. Well, that's good to hear. Um, So where can people find you? I know uh, your website is... I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'll say it in my British accent (laughs) and I'll have to spell it because people people mishear it. Bald futurist. Uh So it's not B O L D, but B A L D, (laughs) as in I have no hair. And this is a podcast, so you (laughs) can't see, but yeah. yeah. I have a shiny dome. Uh, dot com.
0: Yeah. And do you have any talks coming up here locally or more? Um,
1: I do. They're mostly private events. Um, I, I will put things on my website if they're public events that people can come along to. Um, but yeah, it mostly tends to be private events that people hire me for.
0: Yeah. And you know, you spoke at a a private event we did down in San Francisco for a group of marketing executives and, um, rated very highly and people just, um, it's I would say it makes him think a little different, right? That's my goal. If, yeah. if you come to one of
1: my talks, um, you'll walk away with three things, I hope. One is you'll, you'll be thinking differently about the world um, and in, in ways that both scare you and delight you. Um, you'll come away with some stuff to talk about at your next cocktail party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw this bald British guy. He said, <laughs> um, and third, hopefully you have some fun. Yeah. I mean, I try and make sure, you know, you saw me speak, I try and make them fun mm-hmm. so that they're not dry, you know, what's going to happen in the future with lots of bar charts yeah. and, well, mm-hmm. we're not going to have enough water and, right. you know, oh, <laughs> some futurists out there can be fairly dry. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's the goal is that people come away with new ideas on how to reinvigorate their business. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. I love your website. You say no bullet points. (laughs) No, no. I left the
1: PowerPoint bullet point away uh, behind. I don't know.
0: 10, 12 years ago yeah, now. Thank you. This is still a problem, right? Yeah. So we'll see you so much for, for doing this. Um, I would love to maybe, you know, again, at the end of the year, beginning of the year, we can do this again, kind of a state yeah. of the industry in, in Portland and what you're up to. I, I think it's great. So thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.